Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UGA Sports Live podcast. My name is Roddy DeBulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan, the Hall of Famer, the former Georgia head coach. The only reason you're actually tuning in with us on a Tuesday at noon, <laughs> and it's fine. We we completely understand, and I wouldn't tune into us either. I'd only tune in to see the coach. It's the only reason we do the show, and so we're very thankful that he is here with us. Very busy day yesterday. Uh, you can see from my background, I came down to uh, Orange Beach to meet my aunt down here. This is her place. Came down to get it ready for her and spent all day from uh, like 7.30 on in here just dealing with news. I'm 200 yards from the beach and I was dying, but uh, there's a lot of crazy news yesterday. First and foremost, we want to give our thoughts and prayers to EJ Lightsey, the Georgia uh, signee who was shot twice last night. Uh, he is, from what I understand, in stable condition. He is speaking to his teammates. I think he actually went in for surgery. We're not the, the details are very vague there, but we did confirm that he was shot twice and uh, he is stable and should recover, not life-threatening, uh, but not, not good, not good. So our thoughts and prayers are with him. And, of course, uh, the big news or the other big news that uh, broke yesterday, uh, Matt Luke, Georgia's offensive line coach, former Ole Miss head coach, stepping down. Uh, we broke that news at UJSports.com uh, yesterday after the players found out about it. Crazy stuff going on, Coach, and I just want to turn to you and uh, <laughs> your your thoughts with any of that stuff. It's uh, it's just a crazy news day. It, it's it's a middle. It's a Monday in February. February. This it's not supposed to be this wild. Yeah, I mean, there's not much you can say about uh, EJ except we're just glad that he made it through okay. Based on all the everything that I've heard, the and only thing I hear is what I read, but uh, I haven't uh, had any reason to go over and butt smear and talk to those guys. But uh, I, I, as I mentioned to you on this podcast, I was impressed with his tape and I watched him uh, kind of interact with our players when he was there for official visit. I had to, I was over there for a little while and he's kind of not, not really put together like he's going to be, but he's really wiry and he's going to get put some weight on. So, and then of course, Matt Luke, uh, I've been able to watch his uh, family a little bit because some of these kids are uh, kids of some of the guys I know. And so with my wife's passing, I've had some more time to go out and watch some of these junior high and little league games and also watch Brent Rollins, some of our uh, expert uh, coach on our staff here. So I watched him and Pollock, I watched them play. And I know how involved his wife was watching them, Ashley. And I know that, you got two kids like that and you got COVID and you get a chance to be uh, around them for a year like he was. And then all of a sudden you get back into the stream of coaching and you, you're on the road and everything. It's a different deal. So he's a little bit better, better situation maybe than some people at his age because of payout. I'm sure he got from Ole Miss, but uh, I can't really say what, what happened, but uh, I know that uh, he'll be, at least have a little time spend with his kids unless he wants to get back in it, which he could do pretty easily. So, so moving forward, we got to get a coach. And uh, fortunately for us, uh, this didn't come yesterday. It's been in the works for a couple of weeks and it's hard to believe it. It's been quiet around there with people like you and Dane searching for things. And, uh, but he, uh, Kirby's got some people in mind and has interviewed some and, and I'm sure that, He'll lean on some of the coaches, the association that uh, coach uh, that our coaches have with different guys like uh, Munkin and Bobo and those guys. So 
we'll see how it works out and uh, we'll have another good line coach and, and, and things will keep going. Uh, remarkably, uh, you know, when you got a situation where you win a national championship, you, you know, pretty much status quo, everything. But since uh, the season's over, we've lost the director of football operations, uh, four assistant coaches. And uh, so it's going to be a new staff, you know, over half the staff next year is going to be new plus two strength coaches too. So uh, we're going to have to, you know, take the good with the bad. The good is you win, but you know, the bad is you lose coaches. So we'll see how that works out and uh, hope we can answer some questions today and not dwell on too much about the past. We got to get on with the future here. Coach, I know every position uh, requires technique and coaching, but I've been told by coaches who know way more than me that offensive line specifically, you have to have a tactician that knows how to teach every little step. Can you kind of speak to what you look for uh, just in terms of how you train offensive linemen and how a, a head coach would look you know, for an offensive line coach? Yeah, the interview process for every position, you, you bring them in there and talk to them about you know, the different ways that they train kids during practice and what they look for in a recruit and uh, maybe watch your tape and have them evaluate what the players are doing and then watch some of his tape and see what, what he was teaching. But, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat and different ways to uh, use technique. Uh, you know, Coach Pittman was more of a pure zone guy that, you know, very little – uh, movement by the line, whereas uh, when when we got uh, Monk and, and and Luke, we used more pulling and did, did some gap schemes, which we blocked down. But the main thing is, if you can coach, you can coach. You know, I mean, you can you, if you can coach junior high line, you can coach senior high line. I mean, you can coach if you get the right uh, direction from somebody. And uh, I think at this level, though. Uh, it's a little bit more extreme and that you can be very selective because, you know, you're the national champion and you, you got to look at who can come in and take the existing guys and develop the ones that, that, uh, that are here and uh, blend in with the staff. That's so, that's so important because you're going to have to be a, a real Indian here and not a chief. Uh, you got Kirby as head coach and you got Munkin. So you're going to have to have a guy that can, follow orders and do things. But I would think that the first day that a guy takes over the O-line here and goes in that room, he's going to say, holy shit. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, just look, yeah. I mean, walk in there and see those guys. And he'll say, well, I feel like I got a chance here. I think I can probably <laughs> handle it. But uh, uh, it's going to be a case of some ex- some making some moves there. You lost some guys uh, experience. You got some guys that, you know, really have a potential and it's your job to get them in the lineup and you take it from there. But uh, it's definitely a, a coveted position there. There's not many people in the country that have a better job than the O-line coach here at this place. Well, that kind of brings up the question. I was looking at the scholarship uh, Roster based on scholarship numbers. Georgia has 21 offensive linemen currently. Is that all? Is that all? Yeah, that's all. Exactly. So you got a got a first string, a second string, a third string, and a fourth string. And one guy out there going, what about me? On the fifth string, I'm sure there'll be some attrition. There has to be some attrition. Georgia's over on its numbers right now. You might lose a few guys. But 
you've got that was going to be my question to you. You have that fantastic room of offensive linemen, those fours and five stars across the board. Um, we've seen Kirby's last two hires look to be great recruiters. Can he go with more of a known quantity guy who's just great at development, knowing that you have a staff full of alpha dog recruiters, or do you still need to go get a strong offensive line recruiter guy? Not to say that a guy can't be both, but which way do you lean more when you're trying to make a decision between two really or three really good candidates? I can just say this, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass here, but I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to work for Kirby smart, you better be able to recruit first. Fair enough. And, and, the, the point that I make, if you're a good recruiter, you you can be a good coach. But you, you can't just coach these guys and recruit these guys during the season. Once you get them here, you got to continue to recruit them. You got to talk to them about their off the field issues. You got to help them with their grades, uh, get them in the right place, and do all that. So a good recruiter is one that finishes the deal. I mean, you start him out, but you finish the product and get him out of here. So. I think too many people have a tendency to typecast. Well, he's a good coach, but he can't recruit. Or he's a great recruiter, but he can't coach. And let me just tell you, if you can't recruit, you can't coach at at a place like here or Clemson or Alabama or Ohio State because look who you're going with. Look who your competition is because you're going in the room against Nick Saban. You're going in the room against uh, Dabo Swinney. So you better be able to – could go out and get players. So uh, that that's not even uh, – th- there's no way we would take a pro coach that's never recruited or or, or take a, a guy that's, uh, you, you know, a really good recruiter that's never coached on this level. You know, you're not going to bring in a guy from uh, Chippewa Valley Junior College, wherever that is. I don't even know. But you know <laughs> what I mean? uh, that, that's nothing against that. But you've you got to bring in a guy that has – has been to the dance, has been around, and, and what to expect. I never will forget Coach Switzer saying when Howard Snellenberger was hired at Oklahoma, Howard said, hey, I've never been around players like this. And uh, certainly he was a little bit at Miami, but, you know, he's just talking about in his coaching career. And Coach said, look, you're probably right in a lot of ways, but just remember, you're going to play against Nebraska. You're going to play against Texas. They got players like this too, you know. So that's the thing here. We, our guys know the, the coaches we got here. That's why you got to you get a guy like B Mac. He's been here. He knows he knows what's expected here. And uh, you can't come in second when you recruit here. You, you can't if you come in second a lot. You're not going to be here very long because you know you got to finish the deal. And of course Kirby's going to help a lot. But uh, I'm just going to tell you right now, our recruiting staff right now. When you think about Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart, and Mike Bobo in the state of Georgia, along with the the, the master Dale McGee, I, I just don't see us losing a lot of players in Georgia anymore. I mean, we might lose a couple, but those guys got such good ties with the high school coaches, and uh, and uh, it's just it's going to be hard for somebody to beat beat us on a kid in Georgia. 
Coach, when I've asked around about the offensive line, and specifically yesterday, but really even in the months before, I kept hearing the name Eddie Gordon, that this guy behind the scenes is an unsung hero for the team in both recruiting when, when guys come to campus, but then also in some of the coaching too. I know he's a younger guy. I know he was a GA, now turned into quality control. But is that a name that, that you see and hear valued often like I have? Yeah, I think he's a rising rising guy. I mean, he really does a lot of things behind the scene, and I can see him uh, eventually being a, a major college O-line coach. But I think at this point, unless, uh, you know, there's just not anybody on the level of, of a Luke or a Pittman out there that we can get, I mean, I wouldn't be – I would feel comfortable with him coaching our O-line. He, he knows what to do. He knows our system, but uh, – at the same time, you, you can look at uh, look at this. I mean, the guy was making nine hundred thousand, uh, and that, that's probably his second or third highest O line coach in the country. So, the budget's not going to be an issue to get a guy. And uh, I just feel like we'll probably uh, it'd be good if we can keep Eddie one more year and then uh, get him out there. And then uh, some of these guys Kirby brings back. You know, that's that's the way he does things. Uh, we got a question from uh, Low Elo Joe says, "How will losing Matt Luke affect Manning's recruitment? Arch Manning, uh, a top, the number one player in the country for next year, top quarterback. Uh, the Luke family is close to the Mannings. They know him pretty well when he, especially when he was at Ole Miss. And uh, uh, coach, you want to take a shot at that one? Yeah, I'll take you, a you shot. recruit quarterbacks. Yeah, I'll take a shot at it just because I like to bust bust it up. I mean." It'll be a drama. It'll be for two or three weeks. There's going to be a drama as the world turns. What are we going to do? Matt Luke was so tight with him. What's my arch going to do now? What's he going to do? Hey, he's going to look at where he can go and play. Not one coach or one person is going to make the difference. It's going to be the overall situation itself. And the, certainly the Matt got us in there a little earlier than maybe we would have because he had an existing relationship. And at that point, you know, because COVID, you couldn't do anything. So he was able to – he already knew Cooper and everything. But I, I just don't think that's going to be a, a, a negative in any way. I mean, it might be a little bit of a fallback. But um, he knows who the head coach is. He knows who the quarterback coach is. And that's who you deal with. And uh, I think the system itself is going to help us too. But uh, Alabama's system is going to help them. I mean – it's a little bit more proven at this point based on the quarterbacks that they put out. But, you know, we, we got, you know, a, a chance to start developing ours. So he can look at that too. There's going to be a lot of different things that he looks at. And then the NIL, I mean, even though they got money, I'm sure they're going to look at what, what all that entails, but uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll continue. You just look at Kirby's record in spite of all the things that have happened and not all of it was good as far as quarterbacks here leaving and everything. He's been able to seal the deal on some pretty damn good quarterbacks. That he has. One last point that I have on that, Luke, and we've made this point with the head coaches, right, that every Georgia head coach since 1964 currently lives in Athens, which is just insane and says a lot about the area and the draw that it is a great place to live. And now you have assistant coaches starting to do the same thing where they're just hanging out in Athens. And uh, if Matt Luke's staying here, that says a lot about this community because he's lived in some other good places too. Sure, that's a good point. I mean, I don't know that it's been ascertained that he's going to stay here, but 
I know he part of the deal is he's going to stay with his family more. So we'll see how that works out. It's the food in Athens. We can't get rid of these coaches. They they they, they yeah. won't go away. They stick around for the food. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and tell us about some uh, your pie and, uh, and all that academia right now. That's a really good lead in. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to academia. They uh, they have a car show uh, coming up on uh, from twelve to four. You need to check that out. Uh, Sunday, March sixth. They you go out to the parking lot out there and you see these all these classic cars. They look phenomenal, uh, and you can get great beer, great food out there. Uh, the kitchen at Academia Brew Company is second to none. It's a fantastic restaurant, but they also have this huge uh, brewing company, you know, on the backside of it. So you can watch them can, uh, can up all the beers and uh, put them into growlers and stuff like that. And then you can do the flights where you try four different beers. Fantastic beer out there. I had dinner with a, uh, a young guy who recently uh, did the Athens beer tour where you go around to all the different uh, breweries and they give you a little uh, – a certificate saying that you stopped by Creature Comforts and Southern Brewing Company and Academy Brewing Company. Uh, I'm like, that's in my own town. I didn't know that existed. So now I want to do the uh, uh, six brewery beer tour. I need to do that myself. But they're one of them. And I can tell you, nobody has better food than those guys do. So if you're looking for a great food and you wonder why I can't get rid of all these coaches that stick around, it's because of places like Academy Brewing Company where you can go get great beer, watch games, and have fantastic food, you know, and uh, – this uh, Sunday, March 6th, go to a car show. So you can't miss that. Also, I want to mention our friends at uh, Europi. If you were trying to figure out, hey, it's uh, noon and I need something to eat, you know, grab up, pick up your phone, go to the Europi app, order a pizza or a salad or a sandwich or anything like that uh, close to you. You can have it delivered. You can go pick it up. Uh, have it bring it out to your car. You can just set it up and then walk in and it'll be ready for you. Uh, you customize it. You start out with the crust. You start out with the sauces. You start out with the cheese. Uh, how many different uh, toppings you want? No extra cost for it. You can get them all if you want. It's not going to cost you another dollar seventy-five each time you put a new topping on there. Uh, you load it up, have it uh, prepared so that when you show up, it's piping hot, ready to go. Or you can just walk into any of the pies. Now, the reason I say I mentioned it today is because every time you use the app on Tuesday, you get double the points. So they have like a uh, frequent flyer uh, component to their app. You get points for everything you order on the app. And on Tuesday, you get double points. So go ahead and get the double points so that you get the free pizzas, the free gelatos, the free uh, salads, the free breadsticks, all that stuff really, really quickly. So uh, hit them up when you get a chance. Hey, I want to just take uh, one of the reasons I hope people listen and watch this is once in a while, I'll give something that's kind of a uh, different than maybe some, some of you two guys can talk about, but, but yesterday, uh, I had a chance to go over to the to the new area of the building and uh, just walk through that on my way up to uh, go to the training room to, to get a little treatment. But I'm just going to tell you now, Taj Mahal with a capital T and a capital M. You walk through that. We've already seen the other part, but these meeting rooms that these guys go, I would, I'm just worried about I'm going to sleep. Uh, let, let me just tell you that just it was online. Everybody saw the players walking in the big meeting room, and right. Kirby said that ain't bad meeting room or something. You know, kind of funny. But the individual meeting rooms and the video available there and all, just really whoever developed that, just give them a lot of credit for just it's a recruiting plus, but it's a good thing for the kids. And then they're going to have the cafeteria which is going to be open here in another 
week or so and the whole place will be finished. But I was definitely uh, floored by it because I had no idea that it would be that majestic on top of just being functional. Then the other thing was I had a chance to see a couple of these uh, younger freshmen uh, in person. Uh, first one was Walker from Salisbury. Wow. I'm just talking about wow. I mean, just really good kid, the way he talks, the way he handles himself, but just looks like uh, 234 right now and just uh, really looks good. I'm talking about big time good. And I was impressed with him, and I had a chance to meet Gunnar Stockton for the first time. He's very affable, good good personality, and uh, just talked to him a little bit about his dad, who I coached against him when he was playing for Georgia Southern. And uh, and I said, hey, it all worked out for you. You committed to South Carolina, Muschamp believes. Uh, you commit, you then you, you go up and you commit to Georgia, and now Bobo's over here. You got all, all three of them here. It all worked out good. So he was kidding about that. So it worked out good. And uh, so just a little bit of stuff there that I can tell you that the old coach did yesterday that maybe people like. So uh, I don't know if they like it or not, but but I'm going to tell you what. It made me feel very good about uh, seeing meeting those two kids. And when I get a chance to meet them and talk to them, I'll tell you a little bit about them on the show. Uh, and it's good to drop Well, you're that. right. I did uh, – going back to last year's recruiting class, I talked to a ton of kids in that class and – the favorite interview from our readers was the one I did with Jalen Walker, where right after he committed, uh, entire auditorium full of people, you know, and you just see how big they were in that community and how uh, excited they were when uh, he announced. Uh, we st- we he I had to wait in the uh, meet and greet line for about half an hour to get to him because there's so many well wishers, you know, wishing, you know, uh, telling him congratulations. But he made time for me, gave me about a seven-minute interview, and it's one of the best interviews I've ever done. He made, he made me look good. I just I would ask a stupid question like I normally do, and he would actually give me a very intelligent, very articulate answer that just uh, right. showed how much he knows football, how excited he was about playing at the University of Georgia, how meticulous he was in his decision-making. And that is a kid. He's going to be an absolute fan favorite. So uh, yeah, we'll that. when we figure out what yeah. the jersey numbers are, get that Jalen Walker jersey because that is going to be a uh, – Beat beat the rush, in other words. So I like him and went to see Gunnar Stockton a bunch of times. And every time I went to see him, coach, he would score seven or eight touchdowns. But you're never going to get to talk to them because they don't get interviewed until. (laughs) I'll tell people, go ahead and get your interview, uh, order your jersey now so that when they do talk in two years, you'll be prepared. Yeah, another guy that I talked to a little bit yesterday that looked good that has really has developed. And I hope he's going to play, you know, he's going to need to his wall tower. Luke, I mean, he really looked good, and, you know, two, 285. Uh, really? I always ask him how much they weigh just because just to set the standard, you know, it's not like asking a woman how much you weigh. You ask a football player how much he weighs, and they're pretty good about it. So uh, he looked good too. Tramel was so skinny when he came to Georgia, and they said, yeah, he's a defensive lineman. I'm like – in what universe? But that guy has continued to stay and grind, and as uh, I'll, I'll be, I hope he has a Devonte Wyatt type season. I really do. Yeah, he could do that. 
Coach, I wanted to ask you about in the videos that we've seen from athletics uh, in the early practices that they do or the walkthroughs of working out, you see the guys and I think it's catapult that it says on there across their, their chest and it like goes over their shoulders and around their chest. Do you know what that is? Uh, because I've seen some people ask about that and yeah, say that that's yeah. a newer thing. Yeah, that's just uh, a GPS system that, that the that players are getting checked out and uh, it's on your inside that catapult and it goes straight catapults the name of the of the uh, i guess what what do you call that uh software that we use for all the different things for 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 you know what to watch the video and everything so it goes right into that system and they keep up with their you know the way they're performing in the off season and most of the things they do agility wise are, are skill specific you know where they're like receivers might be running around cones, but the, those cones are set at 15 yards or, or depending on the routes and stuff, but you can't use a ball. And uh, so they do a lot of skill specific stuff like that and O-line doing shuffle drills and things like that. But the catapults just to keep the coaches to understand that they're what their optimum levels are. And for instance, when we played in the national championship game, the week before the game, Kirby had all these players' uh, averages for the year, what their max was at, at what point, you know, what their max. And, and let's just say, Dane, you're a left guard and Roddy, you're a center. Say, so you see this right here? This is what we need from you the whole game. This is what we need for you for us to win. And it had the whole season average there. And said, so you're just not going to – that's not just going to happen because we're going to the game, you know. I mean, you're going to have to be ready to do that. And I thought it was a great motivating factor to put that up there in front of everybody and let them know anything less than this is not going to be enough. Well, the other thing I would think that in spring, like these older guys that feel pretty good about their spots, like you really can't loaf around because that means on the spreadsheet, it's going to show a bad number. Right. Well, the only thing I would say, and that was a good statement. The only thing I'm saying, if you loaf around out there, your ass is history. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean it, it just, it, it's just, uh, and I'm sure we got good, everybody does, everybody around has got good off-season programs and makes them push and everything. But, but in the old days, a guy could get by maybe a little bit because you didn't have as many coaches, you didn't have this GPS system, and, you know, he might be able to slough it off a little bit and you wouldn't see it, but you got a camera on them. You got the GPS on them. You got several coaches at each position on them and you, you better play to your best every day out there. That's just, and that's good. That's what you want. That yeah. average isn't good enough. I remember the, uh, when they, we found out that they were filming every rep years and years ago, uh, said you know and they would have somebody go in and grade the entire practice and then they would also assign loafs like you said if a guy you know is kind of hanging towards the back not doing the reps or kind of going through it half-heartedly they would get dinged with a loaf and then after practice they had to go run for those loafs you know it's like uh right now you get that tattletale strapped to your chest so you got the cameras and like this coach says a ton of coaches watching you it, it's a that's why they they will, will come out and say practice is way harder than any game yeah, you run more reps, and I, I'll, I'll throw this out there. When I was a young coach about 50 years ago, maybe longer than that, uh, I went to watch Stanford practice, and Bill Walsh was the coach and had a chance to 
visit with him for a couple of days and watch him in meetings and listen to him and everything. And, and the good thing about him that I thought, which I, I, I've tried to always do with people that came in to me is I would ask them what they thought too, you know, to try to get interject. Cause some, sometimes you can pick up things from somebody and I don't think he was really thinking he's going to get much out of me, but anyhow, he was asking me what I did in practice and all that. And he said, well, uh, let me ask you this on your individual, when you're doing the play polish with the quarterbacks and the running backs, do you film that? And I said, no, I, I don't. And he said, why not? He said, you can do more technique work on that than you can when you're in a team situation where, when they're, they're out there with everybody else, you need them to get their steps and their handoff position and all that exactly right. So when they go 11 on 11, they're not thinking about that, but if you're filming it, you can show it to them. And he made a good point to me that um, from that point on. And then I went back and told our coach that and he said, God, Almighty, he said, how much is that going to cost us? You know, <laughs> I said, I don't know, Coach. I'm saying Bill Walsh does it. We ought to do it. And he, so we started doing it, <laughs> O-line, everything. We started filming everything. And now you got videotape. doesn't cost anything early right. with the system. But the point is, like Rodney says, uh, if, if, and I always tell these high school coaches that that I watch and everything, I said, if you ever just get some kid in the, in the, that is interested in being in video and all, let him come out there and, tape some of these things you do in practice and so you can watch it with your players and, and go over instead of just hoping everybody sees it, you know? So, so that's what I would say. And that's, what's great about Brent Rollins and uh, coach Pollock. They, they tape all that stuff and it really is good for those kids. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of, uh, you go to any high school game now, they actually have a little tent set up and they've, they're videotaping, plays and the coach is taking the offensive line over there and he's watching showing him plays in real time here's what's we got to fix and stuff and i'm like is that legal it yeah absolutely it's high school you're you seeing it, it you, know? you can't do it in college yeah i mean hey, there's they're doing it in uh oh, there you sit they walk out with a giant monitor set it down on a folding table it's like here's what's going on in this play so let's yeah. check them out of the high school see if it's legal you can't do it in college yeah, they're like that was here's here's the last series. Here's where you guys screwed up, you know. So yeah, I know a team used to film the first half and uh, try to get it, you know, edited, which was hard to do. Maybe just the first quarter, but then by the time the coaches came down there at halftime, they could watch it. So that was cheating like a big dog. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a bunch of questions I want to try to get to, and I'm gonna start with Sarah O. Hey, Roddy, before you you get to to that, we do have a bit of recruiting news that uh, is breaking right now, as we uh, mentioned, and it's a decommitment. Uh, K.N. Lee from Cedar Grove High School, 2023 defensive back, uh, since we've recorded the show, has posted that uh, he is decommitting from Georgia, uh, but still evaluating Georgia is what he says. So 2023 defensive back. Wow. Okay. He's got a lot of teammates that play at Georgia, so we'll see how that works out for him. Did we drop? Works out for Georgia. Do we drop him or? Don't know. I, I guess we uh we'll see where that ends up. So you know, some time for that twenty twenty three class. I hope we did. Let's go, Roddy. What do we got? Yeah. All right, Sarah O says, "Are we free and clear with Todd Munkin, or is it possible that he is still hired by an NFL team?" I mean, it could happen, but uh, there's not any NFL jobs open now as far as the uh, head coaches. So I would think. More than likely, he's uh, he's. I would say ninety nine percent, like that dial that 
what is ivory pure ivory soap 99 and 44 100 just based on the the supply and demand there's not any pro jobs open that i think that he would take at this point even an offensive coordinator most of those spots on the staffs even that's with the I new coaches said. those are filled yeah that, that's what i meant there's not any there's no oc jobs that he would be i mean that he would take and there's not any out there that's a good one I hope that answers your question, Sarah. Coach, you reminded me of the 99.44% ivory soap. I remember my grandmother buying that soap and sending us down to the lake to, to take baths. She's like, she didn't want all those five boys in her house. She's like, here's a soap. And it, the reason I remember it, that stuff floats. It's great. So you couldn't lose the soap in the lake. So, yeah, that's um, good Good for you. I'm glad you took one once in a while. Hey, <laughs> we, it was about once a, once a month when we were up there in the summers. Okay, uh, Randy says, give me your best guess as to the starting offensive line. Where does Amarius Mims fit in? You know, that's just uh, very difficult to say <laughs> at this point. First of all, we got to get new line coach, but uh, I would say he's going he's gonna to be in the top six. Uh, and then you just got an established tackle at right tackle, and you got a guy that played a lot at left tackle. But he's, he's a pure tackle. Uh, it'd be hard for him to move inside, so we'll just have to look at it. But uh, center's pretty established, and then, you, you know, you've got uh, 60 that's played a lot, and then they played hurt a lot last year. So uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. And I like 77. I really like him. And then you got um, certainly uh, – Xavier Trust. You got Trust, but you got uh, the big – Willick. But the big kid that started last year and then got hurt, Rattledge, uh, Tate Rattledge, Tate Rattledge. So, uh, Warren Erickson. <laughs> so we got Erickson and then, uh, Van Brand. Yeah, it'll be good. I'll be curious to see what Rattledge can do in the spring, if anything, because that's a tough injury to recover from. He's not going to have any contact this spring. He, he's still on a little bit of a scooter type thing, moving around, you know, just for, for balance and all. So he, he's not going to play this spring. Yeah. I want to go back to the center spot, though. You saw Cedric Van Pran be the center all year after Warren Erickson got hurt, you know, and then Warren Erickson became your right guard. Do they go reevaluate that and say, look, Warren Erickson was the one who had the job to begin with? Did- yeah, I think just from practice perspective, you always want to – you can move around guys a lot more in the spring and not worry about the, the uh, set lineup for the games. And so it'll be uh, interesting to see how they use that. But – uh, a center is invaluable. I mean, you just yeah. got to work. And, and the one thing about Coach Munkin that a lot of people don't really – that don't study it, uh, he, he likes to go under center uh, because of the play action and because of the stretch play and things like that, that you have a lot easier way to run some plays under center than you do the gun. So um, – and, um, you know, I think Stetson's pretty pretty adept at that too. So – uh, but the quarterback center exchange is, is something that you just can't take for granted just because the guy's snapping the ball and the gun's a lot easier to block after you snap it than it is to snap it and block under center I, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, when the quarterback's under you. And you've got three centers now with, with some level of experience, which, I mean, most teams struggle to find two of that. So Van Pran obviously started most of the season. Erickson has started at center. And then you saw Blasky get in and some of the blowouts in fourth quarters. Uh, so I think George yeah. is going to have some decisions to make on who's going to be the, the number two center. Do you get those guys involved in special teams in some way? Yeah, that's true. But like Roddy said, maybe Erickson 
he, he won the job before, and then he broke his hand. So they'll have a little competition there. And I think Drew Bobo is a guy that they could look at center. And then there's one other guy that – well, the one from Grayson's played center some too, Annie. Yeah, Scruggs, uh, yes, sir. Um, I'm just thinking about – because you basically have to replace that left side, but Broderick Jones takes your spot, you know, has that left tackle thing kind of locked up. But I thought uh, Randy's question about where do you put Amarius Mims? I mean, do you move a Warren McClendon who's played two years at right tackle? Does he move inside? To, to get a Mims on the field, I, Randy, we don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, the thing about Mims is he's just so overpowering physical look. But uh, the one thing that I always like, as much as you hate to lose a guy, when you bring somebody new in, they don't have any uh, built-in things about what a guy can't do and what he can't do. He's going to be completely fresh as far as what what the decision is going to be. So. That'll be good for for all these guys that that aren't starters, and then the guys that are, if they reinforce themselves and win the job, that means they're that much better and they deserve it. So it'll be, and I, I think Coach Luke would have had an open mind on it. But I think last year, talking real fast about it, it was just a case of us making sure that we can limit the mistakes and do as much as we could. To, you know, our defense was playing great, and and don't beat yourself on offense type deal. Whereas this year, I think our offense is going to be very explosive, um, uh, and, and our offensive line will be a little more cohesive, hopefully with not near as many injuries. Just from a communication standpoint across the line, one of the things I was told last year was having someone with Justin Schaefer's experience was really helpful when all of a sudden Cedric Van Prance beside him with not quite as much experience. He was able to help out and say, here's what I see here. Here's what we would have done here. Jamari Salyer also had that experience. And so if you wind up with Jones and Mims at the tackles, both guys that are pretty inexperienced in college, Jones did play four games at the end of the year. I think if you can have some more experience at guard, uh, you'd probably feel better about that. True. But the thing about our experience, game experience, is one thing. But just so many practice reps against good competition has really enhanced all these guys. And I think it really helped Jones going against the guys he did day in and day out. So when he got finally ended up starting, he was ready to rock. You know, he'd been around and trying to block Anderson off the edge and all those guys. So it, it really uh, – enhances you so our practice reps really help us but roddy the point you made 21 scholarship offensive linemen as we're talking on february 22nd 2022 22 22 uh it ain't gonna be 21 after spring practice there's gonna be some guys that, that are going to play elsewhere we'll see who those are yeah and you got what five coming in how many are here now like th- two well that's 21 with those five coach yeah oh okay all right what we got next year? That's old line. We beat this old line stuff today. <laughs> We'd be the first ones to beat them. All right. So uh, Rick says, "What's the latest on Arik Gilbert?" Speaking about uh, the offense coach, uh, that's a everybody keeps asking about Arik Gilbert. We, you know, we haven't had a real chance to see him. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, from all I understand. I, I checked yesterday and asked about him specifically to a couple of guys over there and said he's doing everything good. He looks good. He's working out. And he's uh, really uh, feels very comfortable. I mean, I walked by him. Uh, he was down the hall. I saw him. And, I mean, you can't help but miss a guy. You can't miss a guy. I mean, yeah. if you were walking and saw everybody on our team walking there, you'd probably see him just because he just stands out. He's just such a stud, stallion. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's 
God knows. I mean, well, I mean, we hadn't heard a lot, so that's good to know. It was a situation where you know he was he well, I mean, he told the team us, or came to the team us, that wasn't with him, you know, now he's back. You told us back in uh, somebody you told us back in one of these shows, which I haven't even thought about. You said, Hey, he's back in school, everything's going good. So, as usual, you picked up something once in a while, and uh, it was good. <laughs> but I, I saw him yesterday, he looked good. Well, having him back on campus is a big deal. He he was in online classes in the fall as he was dealing with his stuff off the field. So having him back, getting in that culture. I mean, this is a guy that that Roddy, 10 months, if he does 10 months right, he'll make a ton of money in the draft next year. Like he's quite the opportunity. Here's the other thing about him that was good was he went through the whole summer and really had some good interaction with the players. And there's nothing like, being around the guys and, and winning uh, their favor, so to speak. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, hey, you're coming in here new, you're, uh, you got a big star on your chest because you're the top freshman tight end in the country or receiver, and everybody, you know, is looking to find something wrong with you. I mean, some of the cynics, so to speak, on the yeah. everybody's. And uh, he really made a good imprint on the players, the way he worked and, I watched him on the seven on seven and just goal line freak, man. I mean, you think about him down there on the goal line, as good as Stetson throws the ball to Bowers and and uh, Washington down there. I mean, you got him on one side and those two on the other. I mean, going to make some people have a hard time preparing for us. I love it. Uh, I didn't know one guy that was throwing to him uh, on their free time, if you will. Her Gunner Stockton was throwing to him. So that's two guys that um, you mentioned him earlier in the show. So Gunner throwing to Reed Gilbert. Got to like that potential for uh, down the road. We got well, some other coach had, mentioned, coach had mentioned that whoever the offensive line coach that comes in is going to look around that room and just kind of, whoa, let look at the opportunities I have. Brian McClendon has that same thing. If you look around, you're like, oh, there's the potential with Gilbert. I've seen what McConkey can do. A.D. Mitchell just caught the game-winning uh, touchdown in the national championship. Yeah, I think McClendon's going to look around and be very happy with the tools he has. Yeah, I think our receivers are at this point underrated, and you add uh, some of the guys that were hurt, like Kiaris Jackson and and also Blaylock. Uh, we'll be good at and bringing Arian Smith coming back. I mean, every time Arian Smith played, he's healthy. He made a big play last year, so. Uh, he's not one of those guys that I say just injury prone. I think he's kind of snake bit on both those injuries. So hopefully he'll get back there and give us a big deep threat. And this new kid coming in from Florida is pretty fast too. Uh, speaking of fast, I want to mention our friends over at Dead Soxie. They are fast when it comes to keeping up with whatever uh, holidays coming up. So they did a great job with the uh, items that you could get for uh, Valentine's Day, of course, they had a great Christmas special. Right now, they even have a uh, a new special on uh, for Mardi Gras. They have Mardi Gras socks. And I'm here in uh, Orange Beach, Alabama, very close to Mobile. Mobile has a huge Mardi Gras parade. There will be actually be a parade here in Orange Beach for Mardi Gras. These, these people take it seriously. It's not just a New Orleans thing. And you go into the local grocery store, and there's tons of king cakes everywhere. They even have T-shirts you can buy or uh, collared shirts with the – uh, green and yellow and purple. Well, there is a three-pack bundle of Mardi Gras socks are very popular at from our friends at Dead Socks. And, of course, they will all be the True State Technology socks with the incredibly comfortable feel with a great um, 
uh, yarn they use on these. Uh, they're very, very snazzy looking, very sharp. I'm gonna have to get them to send me some of these. I'm like, look, guys, these these Mardi Gras socks are pretty badass. So uh, get the three pack bundle and uh, get some other socks. Of course, they have the Georgia socks. They have the red and black, you know, and the and the uh, silver socks for you if you are a you have a Georgia fan in your life, or if you're watching this show and you are a Georgia fan. Or if you have a friend who's a LSU fan or an Ole Miss fan or an uh, Alabama fan, you can hook them up with uh, these great socks with the True State technology, the most comfortable socks you ever wear. I guarantee it. You'll love them. Uh, so uh, they're very, very on the ball over there at Dead Socks. We really, we really appreciate them being a sponsor. Uh, speaking of sponsors, there's, of course, there's our friends at Athens Ford. They sponsor not only this show, they sponsor our website. They sponsor our watch-along show. Uh, Athens Ford is the vehicle that makes UGA sports go without them. I probably wouldn't have half of our, uh, staffers, you know, so we, pre we use their sponsorship to pay for guys like Dane. So we, we, we it's, it's worth it to have him around. So we appreciate our friends at Athens Ford. Uh, but I want you to go to the website and you can actually custom order your next Ford. It pops. There's a window that pops up there. You can request an appointment to begin your custom order. So if you want to get one of those Broncos and you want to trick it out with all the different, uh, racks and lights and uh, chrome uh, packages and all that stuff. You can do that at Athens Ford. And they actually have vehicles. <laughs> a lot of places do not. So if you are looking for a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle, of course, everything you get out there, if it's new or pre-owned under 80,000 miles, will have a lifetime powertrain warranty. You can't get that at every Ford dealership. So when I mention it, people go, oh, well, oh, yeah, Roddy said I can get the uh, lifetime powertrain warranty at a Ford dealership. No, it's the Athens Ford dealership. You have to get to the one at Athens not close to Athens, in Athens, out there at the uh, Atlanta Highway, close to Sam's. So swing by that one, get the lifetime powertrain warranty, and actually walk around the lot and see vehicles. I mean, yes, you can do the custom order and have one delivered to you, but if you actually just want to go out there today and see hundreds of vehicles, you're going to have that opportunity at Athens Ford, and you're not going to have that at a ton of other dealerships in town. So be sure you swing by our friends at Athens Ford. They will take care of you, and it will be a great buying experience. I also guarantee that. Hey, Roddy, you had mentioned with yeah. Oxy all the different uh, fan bases that they serve. This was uh, trending on Twitter uh, yesterday because Mississippi State is one of the dead Soxy uh, fan bases that they have, the Mississippi State Sox. Check out, this is a bedroom that someone had just with like Mississippi State stuff like everywhere. And I'm trying to find a way to get Mike Leach to go there and do like a cameo or something. Uh, because I've seen Georgia rooms like this where every single thing in the room is Georgia branded. And this was uh, probably among the most cluttered I've seen, but uh, coach, we need to get your basement tricked out like this. For yeah, that, that's strong. That's, that's good. Uh, Mike Leach, but I'll tell you one quick story about the, about, about the Mardi Gras down there. Uh, right after I finished coaching here, uh, Mike Godfrey asked me to come down and, uh, to, to that Mardi Gras parade and everything that they have in Mobile. And uh, for lunch that day, he said, uh, I want you to come over here and meet this commissioner of the Conference USA. His name's Mike Slav. And uh, just kind of pump him up and talk to him about, you know, I mean, he was like like I was some somebody and Mike Slav wasn't. Uh, really, Mike Slav was really good. You know, NCAA background as far as doing stuff with uh, – he was a lawyer and he challenged NCA on things, but anyhow, I had a nice visit with him. He was just very, 
affable and everything. So after it's over, Mike said, "Look, I need you to get riding this parade tonight. We need we need some people and celebrities." I said, "How about riding in the parade? We'll just have a float with your name on it. You and Mary can throw out the beads and everything." I said, "Hey, okay. I think I might have told you the story before, but I'm going to tell you anyhow." But the Mike Slob thing. Really you tell me this one. So I, we go over there and we're looking for our floating all, you know, looking for Jim Don and looking for Jim Don. And well, we can't find one. Well, they forgot to fix a, a nameplate for Jim Don, which was okay <laughs> for me. And so I, I was glad. I said, okay, Mike, we'll just go back to the hotel. He said, oh, no. I said, get on this float here. He said, you'll be all right. So we get on this float, and the name of the guy on the side of it was Walter Williams. And the reason I can remember it is that's where I went to high school, Walter Williams High School in Burlington, North Carolina. And I, I was telling Mary, so this is unbelievable. I'm riding in a damn float down here in the Mardi Gras parade mobile in a Walter Williams float, you know. <laughs> so we didn't think about it, but the whole time, like five miles, everybody's yelling, hey, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Walter. So I'm waving back to him. I was Walter Williams for five miles. It was awesome. <laughs> I was throwing the beads out. I said, good God, I need to, I needed this a couple of times after we lost the game. They thought I was Walter Williams. Or something. <laughs> I know who you threw him to, too. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I didn't get any exposure, though. That was, <laughs> uh, it was yeah, I was told that. the uh, Mobile one is the more uh, – it's just kind of X-rated in New Orleans. It's more uh, PG-17 right. Right. in uh, right. Mobile. And here it's uh, like G-rated in uh, Orange Beach. Mary. And the reason I, Mary had a good time, she was laughing the whole time and calling right. me Walter. I said, you're Mrs. Williams tonight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, let me hit up some of these other questions here uh, before we end our show. Uh, Kyle says, question for Coach. Uh, we know you've been a mentor for Kirby Smart, but who is your mentor? And uh, where do you and he agree and where do you disagree? Yeah, I don't really think I'm a mentor for Kirby Smart. I mean, he's been around – a lot more coach. I mean, come on, that counts. No, but I mean, he he doesn't. I think that's a false thing there. He, I, I do very little on that, but I do know that uh, I always looked up to uh, my coach in, in college, Earl Edwards, uh, just because he was my coach. You know, he's the guy that coached me, and then uh, I really had a lot of respect for Coach Switzer. Uh, just because how much he delegated and let me do, and uh, gave me the big break in my career from the standpoint of just being very genuine to me and my family and still is. So I would say those two people really would be the ones that I'd look up to the most. Okay. Uh, Larry says, who should we, in the text to me, this question, Larry says, who should we be looking for at the next great inside linebacker at UGA? I'd say Jalen Walsh, uh, that, Walker. that Walker kid, uh, as far as, Freshman, as far as the other guys, I mean, all those young guys are going to be good. They're all going to step up and play. Yeah, they're good, fast guys, and really, in like we talked about a couple shows ago, you know, it's just a wide open spaces game now. You're not playing in a phone booth, and I think all those young linebackers are going to be good. Whether we'll have anybody like Nicobe Dean remains to be seen. Just in terms of athleticism, I think Smile Munden has a shot. To, and, and he's got the opportunity this year. But like you said, Coach, some of these younger guys coming in, if if you're not performing immediately, you're going to have some pressure nipping yeah. at your heels. Yeah, and Washington, same way. The kid from uh, C.J. Washington, good-looking kid, too. He, he'll jump in there. I was thinking that uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson, he as a freshman, that video leaks out of him just jumping – 
48 inches into the air to snatch a ball uh, interception. Right. And then he had that uh, interception and in, in act last season. I'm thinking, man, this inside linebacker guy is pulling down interceptions left and right. This could be a very interesting uh, a player. And, of course, he looks like he's 57 years old. I mean, it's just <laughs> that high school photo of him with the shirt and tie. Just, he, he looks like an old man, but he plays like a young buck. So I, that's I'll be very interested to see how he and Smile Munden do. And, of course, I'd love to see what, you know, Tresman Marshall and uh, uh, Rion Davis, those guys that, you know, they've been banged up, but, you know, they – in high school, you thought those were the next uh, Roquan Smiths, you know. So it'd be, I, I, like you said, coach, it's just wide open over there. So, uh, Larry, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's a lot of great, a uh, lot of potential there. One thing I'll say about an inside linebacker, and this is just me trying to kind of put these guys that are leaving in the place of Georgia history. And I thought this with Andrew Thomas, that he was one of the best 10 players I've ever seen play at Georgia. And I know that I'm younger, and so I'm probably missing out on a lot of guys that qualify. But, I mean, N'Kobe Dean has to be in the best, like, dozen, 20 players to ever play at this university. Uh, he was just so good and instrumental in, in that title. And coming from a small town in Mississippi, believing in Georgia – that was big for Kirby Smart at that time, and I, I think that his place in history is only going to elevate kind of the further we get away from Georgia's national championship. Yeah, I think the two guys that really stood out in Kirby's regime as far as the fact that he and Roquan just had such dominant senior years. I mean, and Roquan's a little bigger going into the pros than Nakobe, but uh, both of them just outstanding, and, and – as good as they are on the field, this even better off the field. Yeah. Um, I would accuse you of recency bias, but he's only the second guy to win the Buckus Award at Georgia. So, yeah, that 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 is a fair assessment when it comes to inside linebackers. Yeah, Phillips says, well, Coach, which quarterback could push Stetson Bennett for the starting job? JT Daniels. No, uh, uh. <laughs> don't start this crap with me, coach. I will end this show in a heartbeat. It's 2022. Can we not? Will, we will. JT, coming back, put it out. Um, I'll stop this show, right? No. I'll turn the show around. Uh, you know, I think all of them will have their chance to show what they can do, but uh, I, I feel very certain that he's established as a quarterback, at least for now, unless uh, these, these other guys make a quantum leap. So, but, you know, I like Beck. I like Vandergriff. I haven't seen enough Stockton yet in person, but I, I did see him one time. But we got a good quarterback room there. Yeah. One guy I could think of would maybe be Carson Beck just from an experience standpoint, but the other guys haven't really seen the field. So, mm. and again, he oh. says who could push him. I'll say could, that's it. But I really think uh, right now all your uh, all your eggs are kind of in that Stetson Bennett basket. There. You know, Vandergriff had a, and I, I talked about that before, and I'll say it again. He had a really productive redshirt year from the standpoint going against the number one defense in the country, at, and 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 from the standpoint of fifteen games he played against the number one team in the nation, yeah. because he prepared for him fifteen times as a scout team quarterback. So, and you add a number of reps he had, so he actually had. 30 games against them every, you know, from the standpoint of what he did every practice. So he probably had as much experience as a team, as a guy on a very average team playing quarterback in real games. So um, I, I feel like Vandergriff's 
knowledge of the system is a lot better. And you saw the the leap that Beck made from the spring where he just was there trying to find it. And then how much better he looked in fall camp, almost to the point that he was going to be the starter when JT went down. And then he didn't do that well in practice and and, uh, Stetson took over. But we'll have a good quarterback situation. I mean, I I feel like without going out on a limb, I don't feel like our offense is going to be really, really explosive and just uh, can do what we need to. When you got tight ends that can make first downs and keep the ball and and be matchup nightmares like they are, uh, and then you had the speed that we got in the the wide receivers, I think we're going to be very explosive. And you look at the competition we're going to be going against. I mean, unless these guys really do a great job in the portal, I don't see anybody really being that threatening to us on our schedule. When kind of like offensive line, I'm not convinced that Georgia's quarterback room is going to look exactly the same after spring. And I only say that because what statistically 50% or whatever the number is now of like four or five star quarterbacks end up transferring uh, pretty early on in their college careers with JT Daniels being one of those already transferring out statistically another one in that room would Beck or Vandergriff. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe they all stay and hang out and you have a really deep roster. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if one good. of those guys left. That's a good point. But the, the the situation for quarterback, when you look at your situation individually, you got to see, put, project where you're going to be and uh, at what point uh, do you want to go down a level and maybe not play in this uh, the, the, the big show like this or be the backup here? And know you got three more years or something like that. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said about a lot of different things. But I think a lot of it will have to do with how well they do in the spring. And uh, if they do good enough to, to make them feel like that they can be a projected starter, which that's what you are if you're number two because you're one play away from the guy getting hurt. So, that's the way they'll probably look at it. When I look at uh, a guy that you mentioned, Vanderbilt, Vandegrift going against the, the number one defense all year long, does it – I can see where that helps him, but at the same time, doesn't he have to basically kind of prepare a new offense each week? How much does that keep him from learning Georgia's offense? Well, it would if we didn't do what we do uh, every day in practice, which I commend Kirby for, but I have a hard time doing it, getting ready for a game. When we, we go one versus two or two versus one when we do teamwork, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not scout team, just right. like we try to just keep the good competition up. But he always lets the threes get four or five plays against each other where they're running our offense and our defense because they aren't getting ready to do that. They're actually running scout team things. But gotcha. another another good way of him coaching and threes, and then when we play uh, – we get ready for the bowl games or the, as we played this year, the playoffs, then they'll keep the threes out and let them do a little bit more work. And it's kind of like a spring practice. So our threes have had actually two spring practices here. The, the, the getting ready for uh, the, the Michigan game and getting ready for the championship game. They went out there and did a lot of stuff against each other. So I, I feel like he really knows our system. And plus he meets with the quarterbacks, Every day, uh, he met with them every day. So, did not realize that. Well, here's the other thing: you're going to have Todd Munkin, Buster Faulkner, Mike Bobo, 
Montgomery, Van Gorder, whoever. We're going to have five guys walking around with those quarterbacks. So, I mean <laughs> – each each guy has his own quarterback coach. So uh, there's plenty of help there. That becomes the new competition. Buster Faulkner gets his, and Mike Bobo gets his, and they <laughs> see what they can do. <laughs> oh, but it's good. It's good checkpoint. You know, hey, did you see this guy's steps on this? Or it's another good way that Kirby does things. I mean, you can always improve a little bit. I mean, and it'll be good on our quality control for get another set of eyes looking at at what we're doing. And sometimes it might just be, Hey coach, have you ever thought about doing it like this? Or do you think we're doing a little bit too much here or looking at this tape? I would say each guy looks like he's confused or, you know, whatever it might be. So uh, that's, that's the way you, you have a quality a guy that coming in here as an analyst, kind of like Jay Johnson did. He was awesome. Jay's Let me great. put the analyst hat on you coach. I'm going to give you uh Todd Munkin, Mike Bobo, Buster Faulkner, which one would have the best arm right now in practice for those practice throws? Which one would have the best arm? Yeah, right now. <laughs> I would say if Bobo would lose a little weight, he might. But uh, <laughs> That's cold. Buster, Buster got a lot of records. You ever seen those records at Valdosta? I remember when Buster was over here at our camp when he was a young guy, and he was impressive. Todd's more of a, of a wide receiver. Uh you know, he played wide receiver. I mean, I think he played quarterback too. So, uh, but I haven't really seen him throw that much. But uh, none oh, of them. I remember watching Mike Bobo out of practice throwing his damn arm off. You know, running yeah. those, running those drills, running, working his uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers. You know, I think, I think probably I could still hang with him. Go, <laughs> go, <laughs> said, move out the way. <laughs> Give me the ball. Give me that damn ball. <laughs> they can, they're, they're all good, and they're all good teachers, too. I like that. There's a lot to be said about there's a guy that can coach you and and tell you what to do, but it, it's a lot easier if you've done it. You know what I mean? It's just a yeah. quarterback coach. Uh, as good as Jim Chaney coach, you know, he just wasn't a – he never played quarterback, you know, and but he, he probably knew as much about quarterback play as any of them, but it's still nothing like what you see compared to having done it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, you mentioned that uh, these guys have been through – some of those third-string guys have been through two spring practices. Well, that uh, second spring practice is coming up uh, in about 20 days. So, 22 days. So, we're not too far – three four weeks away from spring practice – uh, the NFL Combine starts in a week or so, so a lot of stuff to uh, – We'll have Pro Day here too, right? Yep. A lot of stuff to look forward to here in the coming weeks, so be sure and to I'm tune hoping, in next I'm week. hoping that uh, – just throw out this little – I'm hoping before the, the draft that we're going to get Daniel Jeremiah on here to analyze all our pro – Oh, that would be huge. He's told me that he's going to do it. It's just finding the window that he's got the time to do it, so – and I will plug our uh, series that Brent Rollins and I just started where we're going, we're predicting the order that we think the Georgia Bulldogs will be drafted. So like Trayvon Walker, we did a, a piece on him on Sunday, thinking that he'll be the first player selected from UGA. We're going down the list of uh, could be potentially as much as like 16 guys, but. Uh, you got Trayvon Walker over George Pickens? I think Trayvon Walker will be the first Bulldog drafted. Pickens, we've got closer to the fifth Bulldog drafted. Well, that's why you, that's why you guys are doing the show, and I'm not. 
Yeah, that's you, uh, you can tell me I don't know anything, Coach. Like, no, no, that's where I'm at. That's, that's it. That's we got, we're gonna have some. So where you got just where you got uh, uh, Kendrick? Oh, he's on down the list. Forty times not going to be what I think pro teams are going to want from him. So you, don't but I mean, you, you start talking talent though. Like you can, you, once you get Trayvon Walker and Kobe Dean and Devontae Wyatt, who could sneak into the first round, Jordan Davis. I mean, all of a sudden, like here's some good players that are going to sneak down into the third and fourth round. Yeah, it's tough when you compare them to the rest of the country. You're right. That's good. But so we don't need Jam- J- Daniel Jeremiah, and we got you two guys. So <laughs> oh, you, we definitely need Daniel Jeremiah. <laughs> Please, please get him on. Hey, and we never have too much analysis. I also want to give a shout out to uh, our draft tracker guru and uh, Patrick Garbin. Uh, Patrick uh, does a great job keeping up with all the different drafts, the mock drafts out there, and he'll have a draft tracker up, uh, mock draft tracker update uh, here in the coming days, so you can That's see where great. everybody's projected to go. When's that of course, coming you know, out? We got our experts who can figure it out for you too. All right, uh, that's it for this week's show. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, Be sure to check with us next Tuesday at noon, and we look forward to talking to you then. On behalf of uh, Jim Donna and Dane Young, I'm Roddy DeBulsey saying thank you, and we'll see you next week.